0: Well, very good morning to you. It's uh, Sunday the 14th of February and uh, just just to say welcome to St John's Virtual Services. Uh, really excited as we go through this series on Nehemiah and I'm looking forward to what Mike Wilson will bring us about working together. Uh, but It's actually sort of quite an interesting theme as we sort of doing things so far apart and yet actually there's quite a lot of cohesion in doing stuff together and understanding who needs to do what and how we can do things better uh, and, and how we can be church in a different way. So that's really, uh, really interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you very much, Mike, for preparing that. Just a couple of little bits of housekeeping. Uh, Mark uh, uh, Everson's funeral is on Tuesday, the twenty third, eleven thirty, and we've distributed the code so that you can join the service from the crematorium um, online. So that's something that we've been able to do. But we can't distribute the uh, service orders, so we'll have some in the church to be collected. Uh, beforehand. So we'll, we'll organise that, but we haven't got them yet, obviously. Um, secondly, uh, today I'm just going to do, lead a short sort of agape. You can do these anytime, uh, and the Bible is full of scripture to help you do these uh, as part of your as part of your Sunday lunch, if you wanted. But I'll just lead a short time of reflection today. So if you want to pause and go and get some bread and wine to do that now or over your lunch uh, or with your lunch, then that's fine. And lastly, um, Lent, Uh, it starts on Wednesday, uh, Ash Wednesday. I will uh, release a little upload uh, for a reflection on Ash Wednesday. Obviously, we're not ashing people (laughs) at the moment. That would just be really messy, I think, and and not really uh, do a service for anybody. But I'll release a a, a video on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday. And then thereafter, the following Wednesdays at 7.30, I'll do a short online reflection, a little bit like the Sunday Eye Wonders Um, based on the uh, Dane Ortland book, uh, Gentle and Lowly, which is about Jesus's heart for us. So I know one or two of you have been reading that and finding it really, really powerful, and I would encourage lots of people to read it, but if you're not going to read it, I'm going to force you to listen to me reading it. Uh, So I'll take about three, four, I'll take five chapters out of that uh, during the course of Lent uh, and to get us thinking about how much God loves us, which is a fantastic place to be, actually, isn't it? Let's begin with Psalm 84, just a little thought to keep us, uh, remind ourselves of who is, is, is calling us home. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Heavenly Father, as we are separated, we know that we are being called together that you are with each of us by your spirit by faith in the power and the name of Jesus Christ so we pray that you would be with us and bless us at this time amen well i'm going to uh, i'm going to introduce uh, mike's uh, and his team have opened up the, the worship with cornerstone this morning Go! Thank you very much, Mike. That's really, really helpful. Uh, I'm now going to ask uh, Joe Walker, who's prepared to read Nehemiah chapter four, and then Mike Wilson will lead us in his uh, talk through that chapter four. It's really important as we think about reforming and rebuilding the church.
1: Good morning. The reading continues with the story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. This is chapter four. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the walls, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their war? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder. In a land of captivity, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the people of Ashod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the labourers is giving out, and there is so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies have said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to this work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore... I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand, and held a weapon in the other. Each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work, with half the men holding spears, from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time I also said to the people, Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night, so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me, took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Good morning, everybody. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to speak to us all now. We pray that you would bless us and encourage us through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to thank Joe for today's pretty long reading. We are going to look now at episode three of our seven part series in the book of Nehemiah. You've probably heard the expression building back better. Joe Biden is using us a fair bit at the moment as America seeks to recover from COVID and from all the economic woes they have, and not to mention all the unrest. But it's a term that has been around for fifteen years or so. It was used of the relief effort relating to the two thousand and four Indian Ocean tsunami. Building back better is a United Nations strategy for disaster risk reduction and recovery. And actually, Nehemiah four is about exactly the same. In four four five B.C. Jerusalem is a city of ruins, the 50,000 or so exiles have returned and they have a huge job on their hands of making the city safe and restoring its former glories. Ian very helpfully last week with maps and his explanation of Nehemiah chapter 2 showed how the new governor Nehemiah had secretly inspected by night the city's ramshackle wall his next step was to proclaim to the 50,000 or so returned Jewish exiles, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. He then told his people about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. In response, the people said, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. That's all in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And it sets us up for Nehemiah chapter 4. This was truly going to be a very big SOS build. There was urgency and there was an underlying motive. They wished to repair the city gates and the weaker sections of the walls to restore the glory of God in his holy city. So, under the leadership of Nehemiah, we find that Jerusalem was now in the hands of a small but dedicated workforce. By refortifying their holy city and securing urgently the safety of the people, they aimed to build back better so that God's glory would again be seen and that they would no longer be a disgrace in the eyes of the neighbouring nations who were not necessarily very friendly, as we shall see. We're now going to look at some opposition. There are actually three big challenges to do with opposition which we're going to look at today and see how Nehemiah and the Jews responded to that. Now experience would suggest that when things are going really well both in the church and in our own lives difficulties will emerge before very long. These contest our faith and our commitment to keep going. And this is what was going on in Nehemiah 4. The New Bible Commentary says that at each stage of Nehemiah's activity he was met with opposition. As the work progressed So the opposition grew more fierce and the description of the response more elaborate. So we're now going to look at those first three big challenges which Nehemiah faced and we're going to learn from the way he dealt with them. The first one, will we again come across Sanballat, the governor of the northern kingdom Samaria and his unpleasant cronies Tobiah and Geshem. They had learned of the rebuilding plan, again, we hear about this in chapter two, and they responded with mocking and ridicule. Nehemiah was not to be put off. He said to them, the God of heaven will give us success. Nehemiah is a man who trusts in God to work through him, to use him, and he knows that God will always win in the end. In verse 1, Sambalat reappears. He knows that the wall is being repaired and the Jewish people are getting on with their massive task. What was his reaction? He became angry and was greatly incensed. In fact, this is chapter 4 verse 1, this means he was burning mad. Such anger often causes the derision and persecution that God's people experience. Sanballat's fury now turned to mocking sarcasm when he asked in front of his army, the Samaritan army, and his associates, his brothers in crime, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their war? He really is not overly impressed or very happy about the whole situation. What was Nehemiah's response? Well, it was quite brief and impressive, verses four and five. He simply prays to God. He asks God to deal with his enemies. He hands them over to him and leaves it there. He knows that although despised by those who resent their return to Jerusalem, God is with them. And for him, that's all that matters. Nehemiah says, We rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. This is a great achievement in a very short time from a dedicated, well led, and highly motivated workforce. That's what we have here. We now move on to the second challenge of the three that I referred to earlier. We've had mockery, we've had anger on the part of their opponents. Now we're going to turn to something completely more serious. Threat and intimidation. Nehemiah was operating with the tacit support of the Persian king Ante Xerxes I. He was valued by this king who supported the restoration of Jerusalem and its temple worship? Nehemiah had been Artaxerxes' trusted cupbearer in the Persian royal palace at Susa. As we have seen, however, at that time this great empire contained troublesome leaders of semi independent regions such as Samaria. Jerusalem was in fact surrounded by enemies at worst and opponents at best. They were totally surrounded on each side. Their enemies were powerful and Jerusalem was really at risk of another disastrous attack. As for much of its colourful and sad history, the Holy City was not at all secure from further destruction and desecration and this is going to give us the second challenge the big challenge when Sambalat and his allies learned that the restoration of the city's walls was actually going rather well very well with the gaps being closed we learn again verse 7 they were very angry so Sambalat and his allies had another very angry response, and their verbal attacks now turn to something rather more threatening. We learn in verse 8 they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Presumably, this was because they somehow felt very threatened by the prospect of a resurgent Judah. And again, the response, to put it very briefly, we see in verse 9. We prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Now, we often take practical steps when we are facing demanding circumstances, and then we pray. In Jerusalem, led by Nehemiah, they prayed first, and only then posted a 24-7 guard they prayed first. That was their immediate reaction to learning of the plot and the fight that might be coming their way from their enemies. So we've done two of the three challenges. The third one coming up now. Poisonous words can hurt and discourage us. Plots contrived in anger, as we saw at Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. on the 6th of January, can lead to deadly violence. Such threats seem to have really frightened the busy and committed people of Jerusalem. Exhaustion seems to have been setting in. And this was said about them. The strength of the labourers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They've gone from enthusiasm, success and real progress to complete discouragement. Worse still, demoralisation took hold of the Jews who were living near their enemies because they repeatedly warned that wherever you turn, they will attack us. Verse 12. So by now, after a really good start, the rot had really set in. Again, perhaps rather more about Nehemiah's third response to these initial challenges. There was real and present danger to Jerusalem now. Its newly demoralized people are really shaky. And yet, we can look at Nehemiah's leadership and see it as it has been described as a model of perceptive leadership what does he do he deploys armed families including daughters to the weak points in the war he summons all the other men interrupting the flagging building work and in verse 14 we learn he said this don't be afraid of them remember the lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. The rest of the chapter has Nehemiah organizing the people. Half of them were to do the building work and half were armed to guard the walls. All very practical. For me, the most striking thing about Nehemiah's inspirational leadership is that just like Moses and Joshua, he is conscious at all times of God's faithful commitment to protecting and blessing his people. This is what inspired and remotivated them. It is also why, when their enemy's plot was scuppered, Nehemiah indicates that God had frustrated it. Then, in a few verses' time, verse 20, he reminds the people, wherever you see this, you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So he sees God in all this. It was God who had frustrated the plot. It was God who was going to fight for them. He is their active protector. And he is for us too, even today. So what can we take from all this? Well, Nehemiah, was living in very tense and scary times. The constant threat of attack was really quite something. But his people responded to his clear leadership. They trusted in him and he helped them to trust in their God. Their morale was raised. They continued their unrelenting hard work in rebuilding the city walls. Those with him, including his trumpeter, did not risk a change of clothes and were constantly armed, verse 23. Not surprisingly, perhaps, the first century Jewish historian Josephus wrote in his Antiquities of the Jews that Nehemiah himself made the rounds of the city by night, never tiring either through work or lack of food and sleep, neither of which he took for pleasure, but as a necessity. This dedication And vigilance paid off. But the enemies of God's people did not disappear. Their opposition continues but so does God's building work. What are we going to learn from all this? Well one thing I've learned is that I'd much rather read Nehemiah's book than any of today's bestsellers on leadership and management with all their cliches and all their human wisdom. If like Joe Biden the church is going to build back better after the disruption and fear caused by the pandemic, there are big lessons for us in Nehemiah 4 about disaster risk reduction and recovery. Here are five of them. Firstly, the best way to deal with opposition is to talk to God. Leave the outcomes to him and carry on seeking to obey him. Secondly, deal with threats by making prayer our first resort, not our last resort, and by asking God for his guidance and protection. Thirdly, work hard and uncomplainingly in doing good for God. Don't be discouraged or intimidated by mockery or unbelief. Fourthly, be prepared. Be vigilant, efficient and organised. God deserves the best from us, even in apparently mundane matters of detail. Finally, leaders should talk openly and encourage us to stand and work together with all our hearts for God's glory. Next week we will learn whether Nehemiah and his war builders were successful in coping with further opposition and whether they actually completed their task. So no spoiler alert now. Next Sunday, Matt will reveal all this to us. If you can't wait until then to find out, do read Nehemiah 5 and 6 in advance. May God bless us all as we learn from God's word today. Amen.
0: So, if you have your, uh, if you have some bread and wine, I'll lead us through a short confession, and then a short sort of service of remembrance uh, of Jesus' death and passion for us. The words will be on the screen at the side. Thank you to those technical people who can do that. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He is slow to anger and of great kindness. He has not dealt with us according to our sins nor rewarded us according to our wickedness. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy upon those who fear him. Holy God, holy and strong, holy and immortal, have mercy upon us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he set our sins from us as a father has compassion on his children so is the Lord merciful towards those who fear him bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the Lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits now brothers and sisters i want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you take your stand, because by this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. We remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who gave his body and his blood for our sins and our life body of Christ. Jesus died for you. Paul continues in another letter to Timothy. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Father, help us to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help us to give ourselves away to others, being kind to everyone we meet. Spirit help us to seek the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say, Amen. I'm going to hand over to Jill Prosser who's going to lead us in prayer and finish with the Lord's Prayer.
3: Let us pray. We come to you, our great and awesome God in prayer, trusting in your love and salvation. We thank you for the examples of godly men and women we meet in the scriptures and particularly for Nehemiah. We pray that we may learn from his example of holiness, prayerfulness, trust and leadership. We pray for the leaders of the world as they each try to balance the health, welfare and economic needs of their people. May you grant them wisdom as they wrestle with difficult decisions and lead them to solutions which benefit all their people. We thank you for the vaccination programme which is proceeding in our country. We pray that an equitable system of sharing the vaccine will be found by world leaders so that no nation or people may be left unprotected. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray for all NHS staff, for porters and domestic staff, as well as doctors and nurses. We pray for their safety that they may have energy and peace as they deal with every patient. We pray for wisdom for hospital senior leaders that they may make good decisions to give the best outcomes for patients. We pray for all patients in hospital. At a time when many are fearful, we ask for their healing and peace that they may return to their homes. We also pray for their families who feel helpless as they are unable to visit them. We ask your protection for all those awaiting treatment in hospital, which may be delayed due to the pandemic, that their conditions may not deteriorate while they wait. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. At the time of Nehemiah, the people of Jerusalem felt disgraced and downtrodden by the stronger nations around them. We pray for those in our times who are in despair due to isolation, financial concerns, split families, fear due to the pandemic. We ask that they may find comfort and peace in the knowledge that the weak may be made strong in your love. We also remember those Christians who face persecution for their faith. In particular, for those in Ethiopia, suffering due to conflict, food shortages, and for those in prison. For Christians in India, and for the repeal of the anti-conversion laws in many states. We pray for Christians in Ni- Nigeria, who have been subject to attacks from Boko Haram and other Islamic terrorist organisations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the church here in Southbourne. May you guide Matt and the leadership team as they support and encourage our church family in these difficult times. We pray that you will give wisdom to them as they make plans for the future of this church and that we may be the salt and light to the community of Southbourne. We also pray for Richard and Kim, our family and youth ministers, and ask your blessing on the youth and adult alpha groups that they lead and also guide them as they support local families. We thank you for the gifts received from UK Harvest and from within the parish that enabled us to run the free shop. We pray that we may continue to have sufficient food to support all those in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Although we are separate in our homes, We thank you that we have ways to continue to come together by telephone calls and on Zoom so that we may encourage one another and build one another up in faith. We pray for the pastoral team as they continue to phone round and spend time with members of our church family. May they continue to be alert to your guidance in this ministry. Let us pray for all those who are unwell, for those from our church family and others whom we know and love. In a moment's silence let us bring their names before you, asking for healing and peace. Let us join together to say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven.
0: Thank you very much, Jill. Uh, uh, And I just want to hand over to uh, Mike, uh, who's going to close us. We want to see Jesus lifted high. The whole effort of the people of God in the book of Nehemiah was about proclaiming God in their land, proclaiming God where they were, and they did it together. Uh, And it's so much easier to do those things, as Mike has said, uh, when we're united. So we're going to sing our closing song. We want to see Jesus lifted high. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you on uh, at our virtual coffee, eleven fifteen online, um, or at our I Wonder Bible Study tonight at six thirty, and uh, or of course during the week and um, in, in various things that we've got going on online. Do stay safe and let's close together with these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Grace and peace to you. Amen.